Trash. Trash. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of We Speak English Good. Today on the show, we have the beautiful and talented Terry Cole. Now, I met Terry through a past guest, which you can go ahead to episode 67. And that was Tim Felton of the Surefire, the Surefire Soul Ensemble. And he, when we were talking on the show, he told me about his record label, who was located in Loveland, Ohio, which is a little bit outside Cincinnati. So that resonated with me, of course, because I am from Ohio, and that is currently where I'm at. I'm in Toledo, Ohio. So when we made the move over here from California, I was like, what the hell? I'm going to reach out and see if they want to chat. So I reached out, and Terry and Bob, both lovely human beings, responded, and they were just so generous with their time and I really appreciate that because Terry works his dick off. So um, thank you guys for that. And also thank you for sending me my Sennheiser microphone back through the mail. They, uh, I left it down there after the interview. I, I just must have spaced it. And they sent it back to me, priority mail. And, and um, you know, I, I offered to pay them back and they said no. So double thank you for that. Uh, Terry... I think operates on so many levels that correlates with this show. He's a bass player. He's in the gear. He's in the recording. He's in the vinyl. He's a small business owner. All of that resonates so deeply with what I feel the show is. So this was such an awesome opportunity to just speak to someone who hits on all those levels that I've built this show out to be. So, I'm not going to blather on about what I'm doing. I'm just going to get right into Terry. Uh, write the show at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com. Or you can check out the website wespeakenglishgood.net. And without any further ado, let's jump over to Terry Cole in Loveland, Ohio. And this is out of his storefront, Plaid Records. Poison. Shit. It's Plaid Room Records, right? Anyways, let's jump on over there and... Um, Hostile Takeover! I'm just going to cut that out. I'm here at uh, Coal Mine Records slash Plaid Room. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I keep calling it Plaid Records, but I think it's whatever. <laughs> Um, and I'm sitting here with the man, the maestro, Terry Cole, who uh, starred this label and this company. And I'm in Loveland, Ohio, which is outside Cincinnati. How, yeah, how far east is side. How far? Um, we're kind of on the loop, so it's yeah. probably 20 minutes from downtown, 25 I mean, minutes you from guys, downtown. I mean, like, if you were from Loveland, you'd probably just say you're from Cincinnati. Yeah, I would oh. never. I would just, yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Loveland. Loveland. No, what's, yeah. What's Loveland? People like Loveland, Colorado? Oh, I've heard it's a beautiful town. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just a suburb of Cincy. It's a it's a quaint little little downtown area you guys are in. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's it's a real kind of hippie yuppie vibe. So you get kind of the best of both worlds. You get like you know super busy down here with the bike trail and the river mm. and 
There's a lot of good small businesses and like farmers markets and nice. just a nice little, nice little area. Yeah. So well, apparently it's a little more on the yuppie side because my friend was trying to get a place over here to open up a dispensary for next year. Oh, really? Yeah, and they were like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> they were yeah, not having. Yeah, it's it's pretty. You <laughs> know, it's it's weird. It's it's kind of uh, the people that actually live in Loveland are well, I, I should say like traditionally live in Loveland are, are kind of conservative, but then the people that frequent Loveland and visit Loveland and are slowly kind of moving in are, are a little more liberal. And so you sort of end up in this sort of like moderate mm-hmm. sort of uh, vibe, which is, I think, pretty healthy. Um, yeah. It doesn't. It's not like doesn't feel like it leans right. too hard one either way. Yeah, because e- leaning too far either way is just so unhealthy. Yeah. But it's it's, but there is there is definitely a you know like when they put this big apartment development over here, uh-huh. there is a a lot of pushback from a lot of older residents that have been here for a long oh, time. Yeah, just sort of like no, oh, this is old Loveland. Right. This is old downtown historic. So there's you know it's a give and take for sure right now, and that's that's healthy. Yeah. So. Yeah, of course. I thought I thought we were, you know, honestly, I thought that most, I thought that as a like a society, we were moving towards a more moderate feel. But then we got this president, oh, and then man. all the people came out of the woodwork. Yeah, it feels so. It like feels I don't. Like it's more polarized. It's I mean, just confusing. I now. get on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, the world is a terrible place. But right. then, but then I'm here in Loveland, and I'm like, I'm around enough level-headed people, and yeah. I'm like, you know, maybe. Maybe the majority of people are like this. That's what I'm I think hope. so. Yeah, yeah. You that's know? all we can do is hope for the <laughs> best of hope humanity. Hope that what I see of humanity on the internet is not representative of the Which is like the, the worst way to judge a society is mm. like going by the dredges of of the internet. Yeah. Like the assholes who just like in just anonymously just like posting the worst things they could think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. I I love the internet, but oh my god, that yeah. shit gets too much. Yeah, my wife just deleted all her apps, her Facebook apps, Instagram apps. I'm not there yet. I, <laughs> it is, you know, if I could, if, if if it wasn't for the businesses, I could probably withdraw pretty hard. That's I'm the only thing that keeps me really engaged is is that because I have to have an account for that. But yeah. I'm not, I try to stay. I need to do a better job of just staying off of the feed in general because yeah. I just. We used to be able to have a plaid room feed, uh-huh. and it was gnarly. It was so killer because, but now it's they changed the way the pages are, and so that there is no such thing as like a page feed. You uh-huh. know, you're not an entity like that. But man, back when we had a plaid room feed, it was great because the only people we liked and followed were like bands, record labels, record shops. Yeah, and so you get on the feed, and it's just like. Oh, new records, new yeah, records, yeah, new yeah. records. Oh, listen to this. Yeah. Look at this cool. It's beer. It's coffee. Right. And then you get on my feed and it's just like, the world is awful. <laughs> We're all going to die. But I miss I miss the plaid room feed so much. I remember the day that it switched over. I was like, what? No, I don't want to see mine. I want to see what. No, no, <laughs> no. Bring back the plaid room feed. No. Bring it back. Yeah, it's, it was. Those were good days. Oh, what's up? No, I made the invoice. Okay. Because he has some additions. He didn't order any wine stars. Sorry about that. That's okay. I mean, just so people know that we'll probably be interrupted. We are at 
the business, like the the record store is open. I just got done <laughs> digging, which how great is my job? I get to go dig through records before I get to talk to uh, someone who is like literally, literally bringing soul to Ohio and all over the world. Um, I'm actually just curious what your lineage of music is. Is like you grow up in like a musical house or your parents are musicians? I think you're a musician, correct? Uh, oh, my bad, Bob. I just stole Bob's Spotify. Nice. Um, That's what you get. So let's see. Let me turn on some music so I don't. Here, I'll turn on this this secret link, this super secret link. It's super secret. Uh, yeah. But so so I grew up. So it's my brother and I that run the shop and the label. Bob is um, your brother. Yep. Tight. And then our our he's my younger brother, and then our youngest brother, um, he works here part time. He he's pretty much becoming the the shipping department. Okay. There's just so much shipping here lately that's like it's, a, it's becoming a full time job. Um, but Which yeah, I definitely grew up in a musical household. So my dad was a really big record collector. He collected doo wop. Uh, really, that was that was his thing. It was mm. like. Black Doo Wop 45. That's what he collected exclusively. Wow. Um, so, you, you know, we always had, and he's, you know, you could call him a hoarder, maybe, <laughs> somewhat. It's hard when it's like, when it's vinyl and like something that's... It's, it's pretty, I would, <laughs> I'd, I'd feel comfortable calling it hoarding. Um, <laughs> but, you know... We, collecting, so, collecting. Collecting. <laughs> so, so we grew up in a house full of, you know, there are always 45s and LPs everywhere in our basement. And the basement was like... We lived in a ranch, so we had this, you know, kind of big basement, and that was where, like, we played as kids, and so yeah. we're just always around records. And uh, as I w- got into high school, um, you know, it became apparent, like, college was on the horizon, and my parents are like, well, there's, you know, there's three of us that still have to go to school. I have an older brother, too, who was a big influence as far as music. You know, he played drums and mm-hmm. got me playing and introduced me to all kinds of shit that I never would have known about otherwise, but... He, uh, what's up? I'm going to split their invoice into two. Black Friday stuff versus. All right. So, you know, dad, as we get into high school, dad was like, well, I guess I could start selling records. This is like right at the dawn of eBay. Oh, okay. And it's like 90, 98, 99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he didn't want to sell his 45s. (laughs) Um, so he like started training me on how to like spot rare records. Oh. And so this is like I'm like a freshman in high school. And so we started going to flea markets and garage sales and buying seventy eights mostly. Uh-huh. But other stuff too. And started selling on eBay as a way to like auxiliary income yeah, essentially yeah. to save money for college. Now just pause here for a second because I'm really curious about this just yeah. because I'm how what is what it goes into like spotting rare stuff and i'm sure there's a myriad <laughs> of shit like it probably is infinite but just uh, what are like a couple of the main things that you're looking for um, when you're looking for value in a record it depends what format i guess if you're talking about talking about 78s um for the most part i'm always looking you're always looking for blues blues, blues is like blues is what it is blues is where a lot of the big money is okay um Really, what it comes to, it's it's kind of you know I have a I have a unique view I guess because I tend to want to buy and sell the stuff that I kind of like mm. and somewhat into, mm. um, but uh, you know blues, black gospel, R and B, rock and roll, that's stuff on seventy eight that back then you know had a pretty strong market. Okay. Um, you know you want to ignore pretty much anything on Columbia or Decca or RCA, you know all the stuff that was just 
mass there's produced. Just so many out yeah. there. So you're looking for labels that you don't recognize. You're looking for labels that you do recognize. Uh-huh. You're looking for Atlantic. You're looking for Blue Note. You're looking for Prestige. You're looking for, um, you know, Black Patty, which I've only seen like two in my whole life. <laughs> you know, you're looking for, you're you're looking for blues artists without accompaniment. Never anything with orchestra. Ah. Uh, you know? There's this little. These are yeah, not yeah. like tell. These are not like across the board. Right, but, right. You know, but broad rules. But like, that's what I asked you. Sweeping yeah. generalization and how you. Absolutely, would. man. You're looking for one black dude singing about his troubles that nobody ever heard. Like that's what you're looking for. You're looking for rare shit. Yeah. Um, and then 45s. It's 45s. This whole. I'm not as good at 45s. I have friends that are really good at 45s. They're like encyclopedias because that's a whole other. 45s have a much higher top end. Oh, I would okay. say you know there's a lot more. One, two, three, four, five thousand dollar forty fives out there than there are maybe seventy eights. Wow. Um, but that was kind of the reason we did seventy eights is because back then there were a lot of guys selling forty fives. There were a lot of people selling LPs online, but there weren't a bunch of people selling seventy eights. Uh. And so we started selling. And my dad didn't give a shit about seventy eights. He had no emotional connection to them. Mm. Neither did I. <laughs> so we didn't mind going and buying a bunch of seventy eights and flipping them. Yeah. Um, and so we started doing that like my freshman year of high school. And so that sort of became my first like endeavor into business and into what is valuable. And, and it was fun. And yeah. we dealt with some crazy people. And that was kind of <laughs> when eBay was like the Wild West. Yeah. You know, it was like, was that, you know, because up till then you had price guides, you know. Mm. How accurate were the price guides? Like how rare were those records really? Were they as rare as what we thought? But once you have the internet... All of a sudden, it became it started to become apparent. Maybe there's a lot more. Maybe there's even less. Right. You know, and so you see these sort of like ebb and flows with markets and different genres and styles and things increasing and decreasing in value. So, you know, I guess that's how I got into records. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I grew up around them. Um, you know, that was like training that was like for sure another type of education that i received when i was younger so which ended up being one of your <laughs> yeah most you know, it, <laughs> important it ended up, yeah because you know i went to i finished high school i went to miami university in oxford i got a degree in zoology i got a master's in education um and so i was a teacher for a long time but i mean when i was in college i think i looked at my transcript one day i think i took just as many music classes as i did zoology classes uh, um whether they, they i took like composition classes and tons of black music history classes that were offered at miami which is ironic because miami's like a really really white you know? <laughs> um they got compensate they I, they do and they had <laughs> they had some gnarly professors dr tammy cronoda was just she was amazing i had her for i think four classes but so you know, and that never really went away. And the whole time I was in college, I was still flipping 78s on eBay. That's how I paid for yeah. all my school in wow. cash. Wow. Holy every, shit. Every semester. Went down to the Broussard <laughs> office with a stack full of cash. Like, hey, <laughs> here's eight grand. See you guys later. Wow. And uh, So you, you kept it going, or were you and your dad keeping it going? Um, so when I went to school, I started my own, like, oh, you eBay just, username, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just because it became too hard to sort of. He was in Middletown. Wow. I was in Oxford. Gotcha. We're pulling from the same well, uh-huh. but you know, it, it just we could, we had to have two different places. We couldn't yeah. coordinate it. So, but he kept, you know, he kept on. He still does it. He still. And what's crazy is that. <coughs> I'm sorry. What's wild is that he 
and I don't know if it's because we started selling the 8s, selling 78s so early, but he gets more money for 78s than anybody on eBay. Wow. It is nuts. And he's the worst <laughs> at describing shit or grading <laughs> shit. He, like, you know, if we, if Plaid remained an eBay account and tried to sell a 78, he just sold this gospel 78 the other day for like 80 bucks. There's no historical sales of it ever over $5. We, if we put that thing on, it wouldn't have sold. Uh -huh. We could put it like this gorgeous scan, this accurate description. Yeah. Nobody would have given a shit. Yeah. But T. A. Cole, nineteen forty four, puts it up with a blurry scan. <laughs> record looks okay. Plays great. That's <laughs> it. Like there's nothing. <laughs> I think record is V. Like that's all he put. He fucking gets eighty dollars for it. It's like, it's so it's so crazy. Is it because is it? Just people just trust him right people know has, this dude yeah has been doing this forever and so yeah. there's this inherent trust with with him and it's also like the market the people that are buying those records it's the same guys that are his age guys yeah. and it's just like they don't care about the the things that i prioritize like i prioritize like aesthetics and mm -hmm. accurate descriptions and good quality photos and presentation <laughs> like yeah, they yeah. don't care about that either right which is why dad's like looks fine like you can't read the words <laughs> On the scan, Dad. Like, so? I got $80 for it. What do you think? Yeah. Shut your mouth, boy. Like, <laughs> Shut your mouth, boy. But, uh, yeah, so that's... And the, but I kept, you know, I played in bands when I was in college. I played in a hip-hop band. And what did uh, what did you play? I played bass. Bass. So okay. I, I thought you were a drummer just just from assuming oh, things. No. I, no, I, I went I, for drummer. So I can't, I can't, that's what that's I get for assuming. too hard. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but uh, I played bass, and we were we just kind of were like a hip hop band. We wanted to we were playing like funk, soul, hip hop. Wanted to be the roots type of, yeah. type of vibe. Um, and then that slowly evolved into that was about the time I got hip to Daptone. Mm. And so it was early two thousands. Yeah, like two thousand three, two thousand four. And I got hip to Daptone and was like kind of blown away with just uh, just confused at first. Right. And then. Once I realized, like, oh, this is new. Right. These people are making these records <laughs> now. Like, and so that, that was like this bug in my head. Like, I want to make 45s. Uh -huh. How do I do this? And uh, so eventually that band morphed into what would become like the Jive Turkeys. And, and that, so we cut some funk 45s. And and, and you guys are still a band. You released an album. I saw your guys' album out there. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, me and friends from college and friends from high school. And uh, yeah, we did we did an album in my basement, and we did a few forty five since then. But everybody's kind of like in different spots now. So oh, so it's kind of a harder thing to keep going. Yeah, yeah. It's just the the drummer Rob still does a lot of stuff because um, he's he's in Buffalo, but he'll come down and do. He plays drums on all the Leroy Conroy stuff, and yeah, he anytime we can get him. On something we always want to. So. Yeah, yeah, shit, man. Once you. But that's kind of that's like a big. Sorry, I just talked a lot. No, that's what you're supposed to do but in these sorts of situations. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's kind of a general, you know, how we got here sort of thing. And that same experience that I had is not very different from the experience that my two younger brothers had. You know, they they sold while they were in high school and they went out and did the same thing and i love so, that i love that this family of record ha hawkers just yeah, out there just slinging so, vinyl it's so weird you know that's yeah i mean that's that's what i did in my apartment in college i would just spend every sunday night like you know wrapping up 50 or 60 packages and 
didn't have to have a real job and dude that's incredible <laughs> like it's great is that is that today do you think that the market's a little too saturated for anybody to sort of start jumping into that um a little bit it's pretty tough you gotta you know the you you gotta either have a reputation or have really good shit yeah you know right or and that's there there is so much competition it is like it's hard to do it on the side you know yeah. it's hard to have that as a side hustle right. now because there's there's just so many people doing it but right. the people that are doing it well there's also a lot of people doing it really poorly so the people that do it well always stand out you know right. like, i immediately always think of like carolina soul like and like carolina soul just gets the most gnarly prices for 45s on ebay oh. and they're like my dad but on a much big more organized <laughs> more descriptive yeah like, <laughs> yeah like always have these great videos of the records and oh. like pictures and descriptions and audio clips yeah. and everything's cleaned and it's just like they just crush it and therefore mm. they get you know they get top end of what a record is worth right they sort of set the market you're like gotcha. like oh no this record is worth four thousand dollars because because that's what i said now nobody else can get that but right it's worth a lot of money well it's interesting because <coughs> you see like i mean even just in podcasts just for an example like you'll see like some of the worst quality podcasts are still like some of the most popular ones and not a lot of people are going for for perfection they're going for the content or you know what i mean like so yeah. like with your dad it's like it doesn't have to be and i kind of see that across a lot of mediums i mean it doesn't go for like no one wants to hear like a, a sloppy band make a shitty hear do a yeah. shitty recording, but yeah. like you know, um, you you do want to hear a badass band play through this old uh, you know record through old equipment yeah, that's yeah. on the verge of breaking any second. And it's yeah. not like this perfect clear quality that you're going for, but it's more of the content, the feel, yeah, what you yeah. what you're going for. Absolutely. And so like I I don't even know where that came from, but um. So when you were in your hip hop band, I kind of want to slow down a little bit. You guys, uh, how how far did you guys take that? Um, we played from probably like 2000, because the band already existed when I got to Oxford, and then the bass player left, so you need a new bass player, and so I took his spot. But I guess probably like 2005 to like 2009, 2010 ish. Yeah. Um. But, you know, that was kind of the formation of the label because I started making beats uh-huh. in one of my classes and it was called musical music composition or electronic music composition. Um, but if Miami ever knew that I got like 12, 400 level credit hours for making beats, they probably <laughs> wouldn't be too happy. But, um, but yeah, I just started like, you know, messing around with that and I turned it into a class and... Uh, it was like independent study course. And oh, so I made wow. like, I started making all these beats and I would bring them to my professor and we'd go over them, we'd talk about them. Wow. And, uh, and he had never, he was, com- it was cool because he was so ignorant to hip hop uh-huh. completely. Right. But it was kind of a cool perspective because right. he had this like old school electronic classical composition mind uh-huh. bring to it. And just to hear, just to have that applied to, what I was doing was pretty cool and unique. Right. You know, he's he doesn't even know if something is good or bad, but he's gonna give me input on right. it. Right. And so you know, and then I eventually I had like I don't know, fifteen or so like beats that I really liked, and so the MC in our group, Lewis Rideout, I was like, I, I kind of made the beats 
around songs that we were already playing as a band with like certain verses in mind uh-huh. and so i was like well you know lewis maybe you can like maybe we could like make a record yeah and so we made it and called it the city and it was 12 tracks and we put it out on just cds uh-huh. and because there was like you know a hundred thousand samples on there that can, <laughs> that you're not gonna clear. pay for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Curtis Mayfield, Curtis Mayfield, Curtis Mayfield, Curtis Mayfield. Uh, so Clyde Stubblefield. All right. Yeah, just over and, over and over and over. And so we um, made like 500 CDs, and then I we got it. A company in Japan licensed it. Okay. And that became like sort of the trigger, and like, oh man, like maybe there is something to this made up record label coal mine records because i yeah. just wanted to put yeah i just yeah. wanted to put something on it that made it look legit yeah yeah totally and uh so i put that on there and i was like oh, i want to do a 40 like dab tone was already in the back of my mind and i'm like oh, i want to do a 45 yeah yeah and so, so wait wait wait, hold on so you got so you guys did get picked up by a label overseas yeah but just to like they did just cds over there i don't even think they recouped the advance they gave us <laughs> I well, get statements every once in a while, and it's always like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. Oh, did they still send you the bill? Oh, there's no bill, but they, <laughs> they just just like, oh, hey, we made this much on oh. it, but you, we still don't owe you anything. Right, right, right. You don't get shit because you didn't sell shit. <laughs> exactly. So but, it's like, oh, well. But, like, with that, with, um, with that deal, yeah. I mean, like... What what did that entail for for you guys? Essentially, like a couple thousand dollars, and then they have rights to it in Japan. Okay. And then, and then as soon as the label started getting big over here, I pulled all that shit down because I was like, I don't want I don't want anybody to try to come at me. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So oh so that label actually sorry go do you mind saying the name of the label? Oh no no that label they still oh. do their thing they're big Pvine yeah oh Pvine yeah okay. they're like massive oh over there. but I just didn't want I mean it's like. You know, we're talking about nickels yeah. and dimes, but I just didn't want, I never wanted anything to be able to come back on me, which is why I've never done anything with that since I pulled yeah. it all down. Like, no, yeah. no, no, get it off my that's iTunes, not, get it off Spotify. That's not available. Like, I don't want it on there. Um, I, I really like the record, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just, you know, you don't want that. No, no, it's it's a headache. It's a headache. So, but, uh, but yeah, then the rhythm section from the band became Jive Turkeys. Gotcha. And we cut like an organ funk 45 and... Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and, uh, so with the jive turkeys, that sort of was like the seed that grew into coal mine. For sure, yeah. Like as in its current form, that was definitely like the first. That was the first forty-five we did. It was cut at my elementary school um, during the summer, one summer or something. The elementary school, like in the auditorium or something. No, like? yeah, it was, it was in the music room of the. Oh, okay. so growing up, my mom was a. Uh, we had an elementary school like right in our backyard, which is where oh, we went to. Fun. And so we had like playground and everything was great. <laughs> and but my mom was the secretary at the uh, school for like infinity. Okay. And um so during the summer when she'd go over there to do work, you know, there's when we were little we would go over and play in the gym and it was so just so cool because you're like, I have the whole gym. Yeah. All these cool things. Hell yeah. I can do whatever I want. And so during it was during the summer I was home for college. And so I got all the guys. I was like, let's let's just see if we can cut a 45 now. We had the whole music room. Like, yeah. Piano's here. Got plenty of space, whatever. And so, uh, yeah, we brought everything over there. I rented a B3. Okay. 
tried my hand at recording. Went okay. <laughs> but I still pressed it. Yeah, um, you still pressed that record. Yeah, it was, it was called uh, Straight Fire. It's number one, the first 45. Straight Fire, baby. Yeah, it's not. It's just okay. It's not fire. It's it's, it's like right. a lukewarm uh, yeah, drizzle. It's like, <laughs> it's like it's simmering. It's but, a simmering. Uh, but uh, the next one I was really happy with. Then then I discovered like spring I'm, I'm reverb. I was just curious. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just curious on like what was your method of recording that. Um, I had uh here. Hold on. Let me get let me get back. Sure, do your thing, man. Yeah. My body's not used to it. While Terry goes to the bathroom, I'm just going to give a quick description of where we're at here. So we're at Plaid Records in, like I said, in Loveland, Ohio. And we're back in his, um, in their storage room area, but it's basically the shipping and receiving for their own label. Um, and I'm sure they, yeah, they, I see a Donny Hathaway record, so that has to be, I think it's just general storage. But you see all the records around, yeah, I see it could be Shakedown, uh, Old French Surefire Soul Ensembles albums, uh, let's see, Org- Orgone. There's so much that I haven't even listened to. It's like I was, I listened to Ikkabi. I've heard about Ikkabi for a while, but um, if you have a chance, just stop and go YouTube or Spotify them. They're amazing. So let's figure that. And he's back, <clears throat> all hydrated and relieved. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh, so let's see. Uh, how do we record it? Uh, let's see. I had a mixer with my friend Eric. Let me borrow a bunch of Radio Shack mics I bought for like fifteen oh, bucks, shit. and then uh, GarageBand. GarageBand. My laptop. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And <laughs> I like that you still press this album. And, oh yeah. And you can hear this album right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's the like, first forty-five. It's sp- called Straight Fire, and the B side's like thumping. It's on, <laughs> Thump. it's on Spotify. Yeah. Okay, okay. What, okay, why don't we uh, uh, cut over to one of the songs from that? Because I just want to hear it. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. no. But, um, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's listen to one song. Which one should we listen to off that? Uh, I, cause I like Thumpin'. I like the B-side better. All right, let's go with the B-side of Thumpin'. And uh, we'll be right back with Terry Cole.
we are back. That was thumping, baby. That was thumping. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you went. I mean, like, did you do any of the mixing or did you do any of the mastering or do you even touch any of that stuff? I mean, yeah, how? I, mi- I mixed the whole record. I mastered it. Oh wow! Um, and this is all from what you learned through school and stuff. Kind I of. Really, I mean, a little bit. I, I, none. None of the classes I took really about like engineering or anything. Uh, I was just sort of figuring shit out as I went. Oh, okay. Um, and it turned out good enough to press and to keep pressing. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was good enough to press, and then, um, but I think the next forty-five we did was the first time where I felt like really confident about it, about the tones we were getting and how everything sounded. Okay, and and you guys recorded that in a in a real studio or just uh, just my basement. Yeah, okay. we just recorded in my basement. I had a little bit better gear, and then um, I discovered Spring Reverb, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I was trying to figure out like why I like certain sounds and uh-huh. like the dab tone sound, and I was like, Spring Reverb. So I started running everything through this like Fender Spring gotcha. that I had, and I was like, oh my god, there I it is! I get it now. Like, <laughs> that's all I gotta do is just just destroy everything through this amp, and and so the next 45 we did, which is called BA and Chickenfoot. Those were like I, I was I was really happy with everything. Like they had that old dirty sound. Okay, and, and so. then so you weren't necessarily using like all this old equipment. You're still using digital, uh, and you weren't using tape. You weren't doing anything, but you were just that using point, this. That this. point, no. Okay, let's listen to a song. I just want to compare and contrast. So, which song should we play off of that? Um, I like BA. BA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
so that that's interesting because I'm, I always like because I trip out about that shit when I'm recording because I I want to capture that sound and like in my head I'm like you have to have you know like these old preamps and you have to have these old microphones and you yeah. have to have this that all helps it does but you could achieve some of the same yeah quality you know, yeah like I, I look back at the first Jive Turkeys record and I mean. I think most people think it was recorded to a four track because mm. most everything I did after that was recorded to a four track gotcha. cassette. But that whole that whole record was done to Bread and Butter was entirely done to and mixed in GarageBand. Wow, the whole record GarageBand so powerful. No, it never hit tape, but we just did a whole lot of like reamping. Mm. Like you know, we'd run the drum tracks out through a guitar amp, gotcha. mic the guitar amp, and then balance all that out. And so it, you know. It hit a lot of dirty things uh-huh. to get to the computer, and then it was just like, oh, but it was awful mixing it. Oh my god, it was <laughs> what terrible. Were, just what, what were like a couple of the challenges you really had to overcome? Oh, I it? I hate mixing on a computer. It's just so mm. not natural. Yeah, especially a laptop. Ooh, it's awful. That I yeah, that is the worst ever. So it's just it's just really, just really bad, and and I really didn't know what I was doing either. So yeah. I always tended I always tend to like. Back then, I would mix things really hot because mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what the point of mastering was. And mm. now I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that took a while. That was like, that was like ten years ago. So I guess I know a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I just didn't understand the the dynamic of it, and I was always trying to make my final mix the final thing. The final thing that people are going to. And hear. so, <laughs> and you know, with digital, when you push digital hard, it's not cool. It's just nasty and gross yeah yeah yeah. and uh and not nasty and gross in a good way (laughs) and (laughs) so i was just trying to figure out like what is this happening and then my buddy eric who let me borrow the mixer he had like a nice studio and he was like well you can master things over here and i was like what does that mean master make loud is that what that means (laughs) he was like well you do a lot of other things you know you gotta like change eqs and and so he took them and like made them actually Uh like professional something something <laughs> yeah. that you could something that we could actually it. do something with yeah, yeah i was like oh that's so cool how you did that <laughs> that's so neat so uh but yeah you know that was that was the first record and then i got a four track set and i've used that for a long time really and yeah. you're still cutting records on that yeah i love what, that what thing. is it uh, tascam 424 okay three wow it's like the most fancy vcr yeah you know? yeah, yeah like I think it was early 90s or maybe late, late, late 80s. Yeah. Uh, but I think early 90s. But it's like, you know, it's got a lot of nice features. It's pretty reliable, mm-hmm. but it's still a cassette. So you still get these gnarly drum and bass tones. Right, and, right. Um, yeah. And then four tracks makes you really work. Right. Because you got to fit stuff on there. And then a few years ago, I got a Tascam 388. And I'd say I use a 388 the most now. Okay. But if it's an organ group, it's like a combo. Uh-huh. I still try to use the 424. Okay. Because it makes you make decisions and oh yeah i saw a, a little stage out here with a whirly you mm-hmm. know the hammonds yeah the, and uh all kinds of stuff going on over there do you guys cut in here yeah yeah that's where right. we record oh this is that's it that's it i love that there's a little tiny room behind the tapestries uh behind the stage uh-huh. where all the, like the tape machines and gear and all oh, the good stuff is. yeah so when um when you guys are, I mean, because obviously for like for Surefire, they're not recording out here. No, Tim's they, taking care of that in yeah. the kitchen too. Is every party and every project's different. Like uh-huh. that, you know, like some groups can completely do it on their own. Some yeah. groups deliver 
final masters to you. Some groups deliver things that need mixed. Mm -hmm. Some groups deliver things that just need mastered. Some groups come here and cut everything, yeah. and, and I do everything in-house. Um, <laughs> just sort of depends on the yeah, project. Yeah. And, that's f and that's cool. Like, right. That's fine. Oh, man. Hooks. Hooks? But, uh, yeah, it just depends. Like, we cut uh, Black Market Brass is a 45 coming out in January that was cut here. Wesley Bright and the Honeytones have a 45 that'll be out in March, I think, that was cut here entirely. Uh, Leroy Conroy, last 45 was cut here. Okay. So it's, you know, slowly getting more and more that was all done here. Right. Because we like having full control over everything sounds. Well, I can imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> but some people also just like, like Sergio from Oregon, like, mm. he's just, he's a magician. So it's like. Everything he sends is just like, oh my god, so much <laughs> better than anything I could ever dream of doing. So, well, okay, so then, uh, so out of that band, you guys sort of start, uh, you start, the wheels start turning, and you're like, maybe there's something more to this. Yeah. So when did you decide to like just be like, I'm doing this? Um. So the first band, first couple bands that like were not me and my friends. Um. The first was a 12-inch single with it was hip-hop still it was othello and dj vajra with mayor hawthorne oh wow um right when he became right when he went from dj haircut to mayor hawthorne <laughs> um and so wait so uh, so how did you make that um connection? othello is an mc from ann arbor uh -huh. and he was friends with lewis Rideout, who was in my group because they're both from michigan okay detroit ann arbor area so we had some mutual friends and I, I think that's that was the connection. So they hit me up and they're like, "Oh, I heard you're starting a label. Blah blah. We got stuff that's like kind of golden age sounding stuff that might be up your alley." And I yeah. was like, "Oh, this is cool." And then it featured Mayor, and I was like, "That was right when Mayor's buzz was like, right, woo, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. way up." And yeah. so we were like, "Well, yeah, we'll put it out for sure." Yeah, yeah um, of course. And so we did that. I should have done it as a seven. That's my one regret. Then I wish I, sh I wish I would have done it as a seven inch. Why? Because twelve-inch singles are tough. Is it because it's just more money to? Yeah, produce? and you can't sell them for that much more because it's yeah. it's twelve-inch single. It's still a single, mm -hmm. so the price point's not very much higher, but the overhead is definitely higher. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that's the only like one and it's the only twelve-inch we single we did. So going back, I wish I could cut that as a seven, but oh well. That's all right. Um. So that, and then the next thing was through Tom Brennick. Uh, of Adaptone and Dunham. Okay. He had just started his own imprint, Dunham, and just he had just put out that Char first Charles Bradley 45, The World's Going Up in Flames. And I had been playing him on our radio show, and I had reached out to him like, hey, man, I love your shit. Like, yeah. you guys are amazing, blah, blah, blah. I'm starting a dumb label. I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm going to be a teacher. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so he, I think I was already teaching full time. And Tom was like, hey, I just recorded this group. You could be Shakedown at my studio, oh, you know, wow. if you want to release them, you know. And so I listened to tracks. I was like, oh, this is sweet. And I think Vince from EKB and I had talked already, too. So there was sort of a we, – we knew what was going on. Um, but, yeah, that became the first 45 that was non-Jive Turkeys uh -huh. um, that we put out. The number was 104. So. Wow, and it's cool. I mean, that's amazing that you like were able to get like 
incredible artist to like to be the, i mean obviously you're not looking to put out shit artists but i'm <laughs> saying <laughs> but like well uh, i think they were they were pretty unknown uh-huh. i mean they 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 hadn't released anything at that point gotcha. and so it was like they were just sort of in that cauldron of like brooklyn soul and uh-huh. funk and afrobeat and right you know and they were young dudes you uh-huh. know, they're like they were i guess they were right around my age like early 20s okay and so they were sort of just hungry and i hit them up and i was like hey i'll i'll release this yeah yeah and um you know i was like i think and that's I, and that's ikibi yeah the first 45 or ikibi yeah it could be shakedown okay okay and so i was like yeah that's the first that was the first 45 and then we did their cd too because I couldn't afford an LP, and then uh, then they got you know for their next LP, I still didn't know how to do LPs really, uh-huh. I just didn't, and so they went with Ubiquity Records, okay, which is you know much larger than us back yeah. then, like way larger, and uh, so it was cool. It was cool to see them like get picked up by a, a larger right. label that I was pretty familiar with. And, and then so how were you how were you able to afford? to like put out albums and stuff if you were i guess because i was just you know i had i think early on the advantage i had with a lot of things is that i had a normal job Uh uh-huh i I had a steady job like you know and a lot of you know a lot of musicians or people that were trying to make music their full-time thing right didn't necessarily have that right i mean i was a high school science teacher so it's not like i was just like right swimming in pools of cash (laughs) but you know i could afford to throw down a grand for Uh some 45s right and then recoup them and and I, you know, I had already sort of done that, you know, I had already had experience in shipping and yeah, yeah. all that other stuff through, you know, selling on eBay for so long. Right, right. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was kind of a natural little progression. And I think, I think records intimidate people too. Oh, the idea yeah. of pressing a record, well, like yeah. all the details and things that go yeah. into it. So if you have somebody that they're like, hey, I'll pay for it and I w- I'll make sure it's done right. Cause right. I've already done it four or five or six or seven times right. you feel confident like, okay oh, yeah. yeah like we can just hand it off to him he'll make sure we don't lose money maybe we'll even make money we'll at least have some product right um yeah <laughs> right on and then and then so from there you were just sort of like yeah like, like from there it was like ikibi and then uh 106 is jive turkeys 107 i licensed a record from dojo cuts it was an australian group oh wow um because i liked the two songs and i was like hey what do i need to pay to be able to put this on a 45 yeah like, put out in the states and then 108 was the Budos dudes uh john carmanella and mike deller oh wow did a like a side project uh-huh. it was like some spaghetti western dub funk soundtrack <laughs> shit and so we put out that 45 and that was fun because i was like these are very well established dudes in yeah. the scene and you know just good humans and and then another jive turkeys bullshit <laughs> and then through othello again i met kelly finnegan from monophonics okay and we put out their 45 and that was sort of the gateway to california ah. that was sort of like what sparked that because they were a Bay Area group that was now on the label. And, you know, I had already reached out to Oregon a little bit and had been like... So so when you're when you're getting your artists together, you were the one reaching out for, to them. No oh, yeah, was, there was... No, oh, well, I guess there's some people that reached out to me. I don't really remember. <laughs> Obviously. But they, I think, I think the for dog. the first, like, 20, it was definitely probably me reaching for the most part, me reaching out to people. Yeah. I want to say, like, maybe On The Spot Trio hit me up through a mutual friend. But for the most part, it was me being like, 
it, it was like organic. Yeah. It was like, yeah. hey, my buddy's making some tracks, or I'm recording somebody, or uh-huh. or they just recorded these tracks, they're looking for a home for it. It was it was very, very organic. It was not, you know, you know, it wasn't like we were out going to bars looking right. for bands like, wow, this band could really make it. Right. You know, it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was like Kelly being like, Oh hey bro, I just recorded these dudes. Yeah. Cutting some instrumental bullshit. I know you like that instrumental bullshit. <laughs> you you should hit him up about rec- putting it out. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, these are great tunes. Like Jungle Fire. Uh-huh. Like you know, he said, "Oh yeah, Serge just Serge just recorded these dudes doing some really you know killer Latin Afro funk shit." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Cool." And then I he introduced me to Steve Haney and and Tim Tim I had met. And this is Tim Felton from the Surefire Soul Ensemble. That's right, Tim. Tim had sent me, he had sent me like tr- two tracks, I think, or maybe four tracks, and they were done digitally, and I was like, man, these are really cool, like L. Michaels kind of vibe, but uh-huh. the recording, the production wasn't quite there, Yeah, and that's what I said to him, and then like a year later, or, like two years later, he was like, oh, hey, what do you think of these? Uh-huh. And it was the same tunes, but the production was just perfect, and right. I was like, oh my god, yeah, these are like duh a fucking wizard you yeah it was so <laughs> cool to hear I, I need to find that email i need to dig back in my hotmail and find that og email where he was like hey here are these tracks and like the the they're just so different yeah because the vibe on the that first record just has such a good vibe like i agree just nailed the tone it's I like agree. it's l michaels but happy west coast san diego yeah. version you know like yeah Hey, you got your gritty, gritty New York vibes. We got our sunny 85 degree right. <laughs> vibes. Which currently, I guess, there's a heat wave and they're shutting down <laughs> school and shit. Well, like how hot? Like 95 degrees. San Diegans are very... Y'all, y'all don't know. No, they don't. <laughs> they really don't. Like my wife coming here from San Diego is just... I mean, first of all, she loves the season, but terrified of driving in the snow. So. Oh, my God. And we actually ended up getting stuck in Ohio because our plan wasn't to stay here, but our van's transmission cut out. So now it's like, she's like, why is it like 40 degrees one day and then 90 the next? It's like, welcome to Ohio, baby. Midwest. Welcome to the Midwest. That's right. It's weird. (laughs) It's weird. But like out there, I mean, I know I'm not shitting on the San Diego people, but or Southern California in general, but (laughs) Jesus Christ, they're so like permanently hot tubbed and just sunbaked and just in like in their own world <laughs> and i love them to death and my friends out there i love but <sighs> there's just i don't know there's just a sense of character i feel that comes with like bad weather you know <laughs> like there's a char- you build character digging your fucking car out of the snow and like Dude. you know 10 below fucking wind chill build weather anger build angst anger <laughs> angst and then that's why i didn't want to leave <laughs> i didn't want to now, leave. It's, it's it's funny because then you go to like colorado and they're like yeah you guys think you got snow yeah you don't have snow right like, but like, they get the sun uh, yeah the, the yeah. trade-off is that they get as much sun yeah. as southern california <laughs> it's just they got a lot of snow that comes oh, with yeah. the shit so but well, yeah i remember the first time i went to san diego I remember I was coming out of the desert and I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then I got out of my car in San Diego and I was like, mother of God, where, <laughs> what is this paradise I've landed in? Right. My t-shirt's dry suddenly. Right. And there's a slight breeze, but there's all these beautiful people that yeah. are all so tan. <laughs> and it's just, oh, there's just food and everyone's smiling. Yeah. It's, where, do, where am I? It's just a fucking, it's a magical place. It really is. And Where's like, all the humidity? How do you, how do you, where do you get your water? <laughs> Well, where's all the water? It's not in the air. <laughs> I can't get it. 
uh, which has been a problem in the past few years, um, getting water down there. Oh San Diego is like an island. I, I feel like it's kind of an island because on one side you got like you got the desert, which fuck that. Uh, on another way to come in, you're going through like like 15, so it's like Vegas and all these wine country <clears throat> bullshit traffic, and then of course the awful five going up to oh, yeah. you know L.A. Oh it's like so you're just. <laughs> It was just the moving parking lot. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "What is this?" I was on like I was trying to hit a bunch of record stores up, and you know you have like if you're like hitting up shops to sell stuff, you have like a five hour window. You know mm-hmm. when the when the owner or anybody who makes any sort of decision is there, and of course record stores are like, "Yeah, we open at one." It's like what? <laughs> and then, whenever we, we, we get op- there, we open at one, and then the manager will be in at three, and he leaves at five. <laughs> so I've got like you know this tiny gap to to right. meet and greet and schmooze people. And of course, it takes me like you know two hours to get from one shop one to the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, it's cool. All right, yeah. I hit two shops in a week. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a it's a different way of of m- like moving around over there is just like you have to actually accept and like accept defeat before you can move oh through it God. freely. I'm Which, spoiled, man, because I live like three miles of the bike trail. Yeah, and so I ride my bike. Oh, you can just you like ride. six, seven months out of the year. And even then I have like a five minute drive. Right. And I'll get caught at like a stoplight here. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> what is going on? This takes so long. <laughs> Anytime I have to go anywhere, like on the highway, I'm like, oh my God. How <laughs> yeah. do people do this? Yeah, it's people it's, spend minutes of their day. Hours. Just minutes. It's it's tens a, of minutes <laughs> of hours. Doing tens this, of, tens of minutes waiting for people to let other people get over. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it, it was a real shock in January. Uh, before I knew I was gonna end up back in Ohio, I um, I got stuck in Ohio again because of booking issues for the flight, and I, I ended up being there for a month. And so, it was, half the time was with my wife. And then the rest was just me and my son just grooving around, you know, like Toledo. If you've ever been there, it's much smaller than Cincinnati and it's easy to maneuver through. Yeah, yeah. Traffic is minimal. And I when I went back to San Diego, like the first thing I immediately felt was like, holy shit, there's way more people around me. And like <laughs> it's it's fucking it's 10 a.m. and Target's parking lot is fucking filled <laughs> to the brim why where don't these people fucking work you know like where why are they here right now it's how are you here and it's just it's just a different place i mean i loved it i didn't want to leave yeah the the fact that i'm here says a lot in general because i just did not (laughs) ever want to leave san diego and i was able to achieve a dream of mine that i never thought possible there and so now i'm back here starting over but i i did realize how close we are when we're back here, how close we are to amazing talent and like awesome cities, you know, like New York is a nine hour drive. Yeah. You know, Detroit's like 45 minutes Ann Arbor is 45 minutes. Yeah. This is three hours, you know, like it's, it's a little bit more central and I don't know, it's made continuing the podcast a little easier Yeah. just because in San Diego, you get a lot of cool people coming through there, but like, to be able to access people like because a lot of people like terry cole's not coming to toledo to do a fucking <laughs> shitty podcast so you know it's nice that i can actually drive to you and be like hey fucking yeah yeah so 
I, I, I've, I'm just trying to look at it positively, and I, I, it's working out better. Yeah, I like the mid, I like the Midwest. No, you can't be mad at it. You can't be too. Mm-hmm. Only when you're digging your car out of the snow and yeah. cussing angrily to no one. You know? Sitting in construction. <laughs> Sitting in construction. Nice whatever time. it is. So okay, so then what was the? Because I take it you're not a teacher anymore. You, I'm not. No. Yeah. So the tipping point there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Where, so, so I guess we got through about. Uh, 45 number like 128 so that was like our 28th ish 45 and then uh i, I got a divorce oh. and uh which is it's all good yeah and uh so i was a teacher and that was my first summer being divorced and i was like well i hope i gotta do this summer i was like we just got like three lps in print we got like 25 45s what's up already got him dude um so we like we get i'm like well i'm just gonna go on the road this summer i'm just gonna drive across the country in my little insight oh no nice. and so i drove across the country for like 90 days oh and tight. went to tons of record stores just like hustling coal mine shit oh wow and um sort of built some really great relationships with stores and end of that summer i <coughs> Bob was just finishing up grad school. He's a computer engineer. And so he was actually going to make a lot of money. And I was like, <laughs> uh, and so it's like October after that summer. Uh-huh. Um, this is like three years ago. And I was sitting, my superintendent pissed me off. Uh, he said something about my hair being long. And I was like, well, fuck that. And uh, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> And so the, the the things in the district were not like great, and yeah. I, you know I was it was going in a bad direction, and so it was like you know little petty shit like that that I was like, well I will just not stand for somebody fucking talking shit about my hair, <laughs> and so I that day I was sitting in the faculty meeting listening to him, and I was like, just stewing, just getting mad because yeah. it's like man I'm a great I'm a I think was a really good teacher, uh-huh. kids really love my class, and you want to come complain about my hair being long right like come on bro yeah like i got 10 parents that od on heroin last semester in my class and you're worried about my dumb hair like so it, it was just sort of just annoying like what am i doing spinning my wheels here mm-hmm. and in the in that trip over the summer it sort of been like it, had, it i had gotten such a strong response from so many people like oh this is great music blah 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 yeah. and it was like man like shops are doing well and and there is a like people always sort of it's like a popular thing to, to dog the music industry it always is you yeah know, the music industry this vague thing right? right it's always fun to dog these nonsensical entities like mm-hmm. oh yeah the industry's keeping me down like, right yeah bro <laughs> yeah no, it's the all their fault. right because you can't find them yeah <laughs> and so and you know and i had seen like you know dap tone you know like mm-hmm. be successful and like like so there is a there's room there's mm-hmm. room to to make it in the industry in, in a certain way. And so I sat in that meeting and I was like, well, and I'm like scratching on a piece of paper. I was like, what if I like opened a record store? Cause I, I've kind of seen that they're doing well. Mm-hmm. Open a record store as a front in order to be able to expand the label out of the back. Cause I would have the time and the means and right. You know, the crossover is obviously pretty heavy. And so they could sort of reinforce each other. And so I'm sitting on a map, like looking at places where, you know, where to open one and 
I don't want to go directly, you know, infringe on somebody's territory of shops that I already know and like. I don't want to try to threaten them. And I'm like, oh, Loveland. I go down there to bike and canoe in this nice little area. And I know it's kind of on the up a little yeah. bit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. back then it was, like, this development was getting ready to come in. You, you Everybody kind of heard, like, it, not hip, but definitely, like, an attractive, growing community. Yeah, yeah, Right? Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'll go down there. So I drove down there after school that day, or drove down here, and just walked around looking for commercial property. I found this location. It had been vacant for three years. It was a Moose Lodge, formerly. And I found out who owned it. It was the Loveland Fire Association. And within three days, I had a business application turned in. Oh. And um, I guess before that, though, I skipped a step. Before that, I came down here, found the spot, and was like, son of a bitch, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then I called Bob, because Bob had just finished grad school, and he went on like a YOLO solo canoe trip you know <laughs> yeah. like spirit finding type of journey <laughs> right so he went on a solo canoe trip for like three or four weeks up in minnesota so he's coming out this is october he's coming out of minnesota driving back down and so i call him once he gets in range and i'm like hey bro meet me in indianapolis we're gonna go to luna music because i think i'm gonna open up a record store oh. and i think i need you to not be an engineer <laughs> and open it with me and so I wow, mean, wow, that's <laughs> a huge thing to ask of someone. <laughs> hey, man, I know you just went to school for a while. And that's, <laughs> that's cool. I did that too. But anyway, um, so I we met in Indy, went to Luna, which I think because Luna on the trip was like one of the last shops I went to, but I was blown away with like clean, organized, uh-huh. on like not too cool for school, right? Like, kind of embodied a lot of the best of what I saw across the country, like on the, on the tip, like they, they knew it was uh-huh. coming out new. It just felt nice. Yeah. Not dicks. Right. You know, and you that's know, music that's, snobs. And who that's are so scoffing. weird that you have to say that, but I mean, no, you I, have to say that in a record store. You like, absolutely do because I, Cleveland <clears throat> fucking, I walked in there, asked them for a Kendrick Lamar record. When that, when that first one came out, uh, whatever yeah. that's called, um, uh, fuck, I love the album. Anyways, I was looking for Kendrick Lamar's album, and then I just wanted to buy it new on vinyl, <laughs> and he fucking scoffs at me. He's like, yeah, um, you might want to go to one of the more commercial places. Um, <laughs> what the hell? Maybe Urban Outfitters or something. And he's like, we don't really carry commercial stuff like that. I was like, but you carry the Black Keys album, last album? And he was like, well, we were one of the first stores they ever played in, so we don't find that to be... You know, I'm just like, okay, dude, you're just What's fucking... What's the shop? What's the shop called? Oh, my God. It's a skeleton, the skull, and a mind's eye. Not mind's eye. That's it. My mind's eye? My mind's eye? Yeah. That's yeah. It. Is that it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that shop. Whoever was behind the desk, it might have been just that person? No, but that's the thing. That is that is the... I get being able to be like, well, it's not the owner. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you meet most of the owners. Right. You don't. You usually don't get that vibe from the owners or managers. Or, well, the owners. Right. But it does fall on the owner mm-hmm. when their employees are fucking Oh, dicks. yeah, because I walked out and I didn't buy shit and I'm, we'll never go back there again. Well, dude, it's like I, d- I do not get – so that brings me to another story. So <laughs> Please. That, so anyway, so we went to Luna, looked at what they did, kind of like trying to feel out the POS system. Uh-huh. Like, just the logistics of things, like, looking what they're stocking, kind of, like, tr- the first foray into just immersing ourselves into how do you start a record store yeah. type of thing. Looking at what we really liked, what we didn't like, and then we just started making this master Google Doc <laughs> list of, like, things to do and things not to do. 
and so that was that was the formation of the shop and that was three years ago and uh yeah it was cool because you know i worked at a cd store growing up in high school but we're come we came into this with a blank slate which is cool because i you know we don't have this preconceived notion of what a record store is or what it is not and um and to that end when we hired some when we hired people when we because he he did get a job and i was still teaching mm-hmm. i had to finish out that year so we had this like four month period of like what i call hell when <laughs> we were building the shop and working our full-time jobs and then operating the shop and also working our, it was just it was terrible i don't even remember those months of my life right they just they're dis- they're gone yeah because um, you know you work and i was living in middletown so i would like drive half an hour work on the shop or work at the shop leave at 10 get home it was just awful i was the worst teacher that semester i feel <laughs> so bad for all of my students i i am like overcome with guilt sometimes like real late at night i wake up and be like oh my god i was such a shit like <laughs> i was such a shitty teacher that semester like i was just a bad teacher because i really prided myself up until like myself of being a really good teacher up yeah I remember thinking, like, man, I I really dropped the ball there. So I feel bad about that. But when we hired people, to uh, that end about the story, like, people and hiring employees, we had, um, when we looked for help, we didn't try to find people that knew the most about music. Mm. It wasn't like, all right, bro, I'm about to quiz you on the fucking <laughs> top <laughs> Blue Note records of the <laughs> 1950s. Do you know this shit or not? But we were looking for, like, um, hey, are you nice? <laughs> Are you, can you have a conversation with a stranger? Are you willing to engage in conversation or help someone find something? Like musical knowledge was like low on the totem pole. Yeah. It's like, are you a good human? And then, you know, I ended up hiring who's now my, like my, my life partner. So I guess I just, you know, hired a pretty girl that was nice, <laughs> essentially. Which, which, so now, which, you know, my which, future, my future wife, I just hired her. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I bet I can get you to work cheap because I'm feeling some vibes, <laughs> feeling some vibes and you're nice and you're pretty. People are going to like you. Yep. You know what? I like you <laughs> girl. So, what are you, <laughs> that was how, that's essentially how, that was my courtship, which is such a lovely story. It is, by right? the way. Hey, you, will you work for free girl? <laughs> girl. <laughs> I hope she listens to this. I can't wait to play this back for her. She's going to love this. Um, but you know that was like so that's and that's so sort of in the face of what you you know you you traditionally think of like music store yeah somebody who's like a goddamn expert on everything right 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 right. like oh yeah so that'd be in a post-punk um you know norwegian (laughs) section over there (laughs) it's like now just just be able to answer and it was funny because you know they were both met with the people that that worked here you know whitney and and we had Allie that worked here and intern matt if you want to call what he did work um <laughs> intern. that's his name that's why that's, he didn't that, get paid right? that's his that's his name he is he will forever be known as intern matt <laughs> um but he like we we didn't need them to be experts we just needed to be nice and helpful right. and like build this reputation of we're not this cool shop we're this really nice hopefully clean organized shop we know what we know but the internet is really cool and yeah. if there's something we don't know we'll just help you find out the answer to it right and um and certainly i'm not discounting me and bob's knowledge like we we know right we know a lot about we know something about 
certain types of music, but you can't be an expert on you right. can't be an expert on everything. And anybody that pretends to be is a dick. Right. Like they're full of shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the more you know, the more you realize how little you know. Yeah. And um but the downside of that was they were certainly met with people that were not used to that attitude and they came in here, you know, dick swinging contests. <laughs> you know, like to the fullest like yeah, where's your rare shit? And they're yeah. like, uh, I, I mean, all the records there. You mean you don't have any? And it's like, oh my god, dude. Yeah. Like, get a life. Right. Come on, bro. Right. Like, you don't, you don't need to come in here and like make these twenty-year-old girls feel, right. <laughs> feel bad about themselves. It's yeah, that's just, it's that's. But I think there's a shift in record stores right now. I think there's like a, a positive shift, and it's weird because, as, as this vinyl trend is on this upswing. And you hear all kinds of people like, it's good, it's a bubble, it's going to burst. Yeah. It's like, what, whatever. Like, yeah. It's, and it may be to an extent, but you hear people, you know, there's, there is this vinyl upswing. And what is ironic, I think, is you're going to see a lot of shop, new shops open up. And I think you're going to see a lot of long existing shops, shops that survived like the worst of times, actually close, have to close now because. I think you're going to get a more discerning consumer. Mm-hmm. So the shops that have just existed because they've always existed yeah, of all time, <laughs> you know, they've always been around. So they're always going to be around. People are going to realize, Oh man, these guys are like nice. Right. And like when I ask for something, they'll help me find it or mm-hmm. order it for me or, right. or like know where it is and not treat me like shit. And <laughs> And so it's ironic that I that I think this resurgence is actually going to be the demise of some long existing shops. And I see all kinds of stuff on the internet like vinyl boom, but how come this shop's closing? And I just want to be like, because that dude's a dick yeah, and he doesn't know how to keep up yeah, with trends. Like, a, yeah, he's a cause, prick. Because maybe that guy shouldn't be running a business in the first place. Yeah, and and it's hard to say like there's gonna be a bubble for music because like people are always gonna want to consume music or art whatever it is, and the fact that they're able to uh, actually make money on a tactile item such as you know the best of Fraggle Rock on vinyl, dude, all the versions, all <laughs> every version, you know people are gonna want something tactile because this digital age has become so. I mean, music is so. I mean, just you, the fact that there dude. is a resurgence in the first place let is informing us that people do place right. a value on a tactile, right, literal product. Exactly. And so it's, it, you know, I think, and you're kind of starting to see it. Like a lot of new shops open up, like including ourselves, that have a different approach that are like championing new vinyl mm. and are like hustling the new releases. Right. And and you see other shops that are like so down on it yeah they're just like oh there's no money in new vinyl we don't stock new vinyl it's like cool talk (laughs) talk to me and like and and because i mean you're just like you're just missing you just you're excluding people exactly it's like you know like if you can afford to do that cool if you have such a reputation that you can do that gnarly like if you can have just a soul shop and you just sell soul music that's killer hell yeah i can't do that like I don't know many people that could just do that. And so my perspective is like, why, why close yourself off to being more successful by like, you can still like, we're always playing like 
soul and funk. Yeah. And like, we, I walked playing, in and Van Morrison was playing. Yeah, we're, we play, <laughs> we're going to play stuff we we like so our personality is still shining through right. and like what we champion and what we choose to display and right. you can do that but still sell 40 copies of the new taylor swift when it comes out because right. you make money on that and that helps you do these other things like I, I i i will never understand the mentality of i only sell shit i like yeah that is defeatist in my point you are just asking to have problems right. that you can bitch about like uh <laughs> like it, it does seem like it's some old guard shit you know just yeah. like some guys who are just bro you want to buy t-swizzle <laughs> fucking do it bro like i'll give a fuck right that's gnarly you're listening to records yeah it's great right it's sweet like yeah it's it maybe just, this is a gateway to you getting into some other really exactly, exactly maybe it's not i don't know whatever who yeah. am i to judge people right. probably look at my musical taste are like this fucking dork is stuck in like 1969 like grow up bub <laughs> that shit's passed done been done been done it's like and i couldn't be mad i'd yeah. be like you're right i'm done i am stuck in my ways but right, but you're open for <laughs> yeah and I, you're a businessman you, like you know or business person excuse me ladies yeah but there's like there's like a weird there's a weird thing where it's you sh- being like business savvy in the record stores is like not some people think that's not cool or yeah not, not even cool or like that shouldn't be your top priority which like, is so silly because if you're an artist who wants to make in this world like make money it's like you have to have that business side or else the other side is just gonna fall on deaf ears yeah exactly. you, you need to be able to i mean you need to be able to expand contract you know you need to be able to you know like it's silly to block yourself off from from any ways of thought. You know, like, of course, there's terrible ways of thinking. But when you keep your mind open, you're, you're going to find shit that you, it allows you to learn and it allows you to keep growing. Is, yeah, man. It's basically what That's it, why, when, you know, when I went to all those shops, I didn't even know that we, I was going to open a shop. I had no yeah. idea. It was not in my mind at all until he said that thing about my hair. But <laughs> it was not in my mind at all. But... You know, I looked back on all those experiences and I could be like, you know, you pull the best because there's there's shops just doing great things that are just crushing it, being friendly and recommending that are great at recommending things. And, um, yeah, you pull from the good and you ignore the bad. And, you know, every time I go to a new record store, I'm I'm always thinking like, oh, man, it's a great idea. You know, (laughs) like there's always room to learn, whether it's whether it's for the bad or good you know there's always room to learn yeah i i think everyone can take from this don't be closed-minded that's right just just be open-minded other people like other things that you're not gonna like but (laughs) it doesn't mean that you can't fucking provide that yeah but but that's that is what led to uh the record store about three years ago (laughs) okay so so coal mine so now a coal mine plaid just is sort of like this yeah one entity essentially um and uh you know the beginning with the label was all about trying to make the label seem bigger than it was Mm -hmm. you know um but once we got to a certain point i wanted it i I definitely wanted the perception to be like hey it's two dudes yeah it's two dudes primarily doing all this um and you know that surefire actually surefire was the first lp i think when we moved, moved into the new space um their first LP 
because I, I think I had been like I was in middle of moving and everything, so I was like, ah, I don't, don't give me some time, guys. Yeah. But I think that that following summer, that was the first LP, and since then it's been like in overdrive as far as like output. You know, you look how many releases we put out <clears throat> in the years before the shop, and it was like maybe you know three to five, yeah, forty fives usually. Um, and now it's like just cranking them out as fast as we can and you know cool i like those two tracks that's all you got dope 45 <laughs> you're, 45. Not, you're not actually a band sweet awesome. make, make up a name it's cool on to the next one like you know it's just like because that's that's the fun of 45 is that you can throw things out there and just see what hits see yeah. what resonates with people like mm. the the flying stars 45 like aaron and i he started talking to me about those things like a year ago and I remember being like, I was geeked. I heard him and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, yeah, I, I guess it would do all right on 45. And it's like, people dig it. Like, yeah. People dig it. And now we're like, dude, we got, you got to do an LP. Like, you got to do an LP now. <laughs> yeah, Pe yeah. The people want it. People. <laughs> Whereas, you know, and, and you can use 45s. It's like, it's pretty, you know, it's nominal investment. You know, it's not huge. Yeah. And it's like, if it crushes. Right. Sweet. Hey, do an LP. Right. Hey, that made up band you had, get them back together. <laughs> <laughs> get um, the boys in there. I was curious in how you, um, like, for instance, when you when you go around when you're trying to hustle coal mine, like, what? Wh how do you even approach somebody like that at a record store? I mean, like, how um, does that even work? So when I cold call shops, what I usually do first is I'm like, um, yeah, hey, do you guys have the? I'm just looking for a couple tiles. Wondering if you have them in stock. And I'll just ask about, like, Budos Band. <laughs> okay, okay. Or, like, uh, L. Michael's Affair or, like, Sharon Jones. Mm. And just sort of feel out, like, all right, does is this shop – and if they're like, no, we don't stock that. It's like, okay, cool. Like, oh. you probably won't like any more doing <laughs> So I'm not even going to waste your time. But if they're like, yeah, then I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. And then I'll call back <laughs> and be like – Hey, uh, this is you know Terry from Coma, and I usually will send him LPs, uh -huh. promo LPs, because our LPs sort of like super heavy duty, and they they stand out. And no, not very many record labels send promo LPs. People they send a lot of CDs, right? So you immediately sort of stand out. And then you know I'm very confident in the music, so I think if they play our records, they're gonna realize, oh, this is like this is record store music. Yeah, you know this is music that feels like it should be played in a record store it does well and this is the kind of shit that people are like what is this you know like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, is, what is this record right what's um, yeah. exactly yeah like i'm gonna i'm gonna sell five copies of the new beta band lp you know the high fidelity moment like it's it's stuff like that because it's not that not so well known that you know it's it's easy for a shop to, it's like a new market mm. you know if nobody in their town's ever heard of it they can hustle 10 copies of our comp easily yeah. to people like, oh, cool. You like Daptone? You hip to this? You're yeah. not? All right, here you go. You're going to yeah. buy it. Um, and so in a lot of ways, when I'm approaching shops, it's, you know, Daptone has paved the way. Yeah. Absolutely. Like there is no, no way around it. They have absolutely paved the way because not that our sounds are like dead on the same because they're not. Right. But if people are into that vibe, chances yeah. are they're going to be into what we're doing. And I think sonically we're, we're probably a little more broad and, and, you know, 
not saying we're like more open-minded but just sonically like there's probably things that are cleaner they wouldn't release things that are certain whatevers that Mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't put out but that's that's always the first question like hey do you guys do pretty well with that tone that's your foot yeah yeah. you know that because if they don't uh, they probably don't give a shit about what we're doing so when you're putting on new artists now it's like is it still something that's pretty organic where it's just like you know this guy and there is it still like that or how is it yeah are, are I mean, you guys being more approached now are people oh we're, we definitely get approached a lot more now we i'd say we get uh three to four demos a week for oh, sure wow. um i'd say the the rate of good pretty low but <laughs> <laughs> not even good just appropriate <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get stuff i'm like do you did you right did you research this yeah did, did you, you see like the horse shit we're putting out like you don't want to do this record with me right. i don't know how to do what you're doing this is like they're like come on i got a black metal group they're just gonna knock Dude, the yeah. socks off yeah yeah <laughs> we, hey we heard you'd be a really good fit for us <laughs> for real and i'm like I, no we're not like yeah, yeah. and i want to spend a long time being like you mother wasting my motherfucking <laughs> but it's like nah we're not interested man but it's pretty organic like if i go back through you know these the, the most recent series releases uh flying stars is the drummer from durand okay junior thomas was on truth and soul formerly okay um so it, you know it's just sort of i think he was on my instagram feed and i was like I wonder what that dude's doing <laughs> and so i messaged him yeah. <laughs> he was like Actually, I've got some new tunes. It's like dope. Sweet. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Um, Duran, where is Duran located? Like, where is he? Is so, D- I th- I think he's getting ready to move to New York. Oh. But he's from Louisiana. Oh, okay. okay and then so they all met in Bloomington when they oh, were at okay. school at IU. All right. So, so where is he stationed at? I, I couldn't. I, right now, they're on the road, uh, I think. But home is definitely Louisiana. Okay. Um, because I, I got to see <laughs> Duran play with Soulfire. Or sure, Soulfire. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They played a, a. It was a tiny little venue that's changed names for like. like that's right. I remember. Times. I would remember setting up advertisements for that, and I was trying to. They changed it like the week. <laughs> I was trying to make an advertisement yeah. for that, and I was like, I don't even. It's like right. Spacebar, right? No, well, formerly Spacebar. Spacebar space is actually, <laughs> yeah, it was Spacebar, and then it was like Bar Eleven, and then like all this. I mean, like, yeah. So how do you months. how do I market from five from uh, ten states away? Right. <laughs> when and I don't even know what the name of the damn the bar fucking is. place was packed. That's good. It was packed <laughs> packed wall to wall. Like I kind of figured Surefire would you know bring a crowd. Surefire has their thing going on, but Duran, man, they they kill it. Man. Oh yeah, they they're, they're awesome. I bought the I bought the LP immediately. And I was like, I'm gonna get this shit. Yeah. I actually, I actually when I when tim came over because i used to do my podcast because i had a studio in my <clears throat> garage in san diego and um people would come and i had more stuff going on i had like a little sound effects pad i'd hit like the air horn pew 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 or God. it was ridiculous <laughs> i mean it wasn't so long ago i mean it was like four episodes ago you could hear me go pew 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 yeah, i but, like to, i want to do that in the shop sometimes <laughs> yeah, <just> like, <laughs> what like, up about to play this dope track <laughs> y'all ready here it comes it's just it's it was fun <laughs> but i asked him to bring both the albums because uh i i, I bought them immediately just because like i just love what he did and then when we started talking he said that he was signed to you guys and 
he kind of broke down the deal that you guys kind of take care of half of production and you do the pressing, right? Something. Yeah, like we that. pay we pay for pay for everything up front. Um, so when you have new artists, is that how you approach? Is like we'll pay for all the pressing? Oh yeah, um, I mean the deals are always the deals are pretty straightforward. They're usually like, you know, we'll we'll pay for pay for everything, mm. whatever, you know, whether it's stuff that needs recorded. Most most of the time everything's done. Yeah. So most of the time it's either the artist has paid for it or they have um the artist has paid for it or, or it's close to being done or mm. whatever. They need maybe some more mixing hours or mastering or yeah. whatever. But yeah, we we pay for everything up front and then it's just a fifty fifty profit split. Oh wow. And um they get a little higher percentage on sync licensing. And then we have like what's sync licensing? So like getting stuff used in like TV shows. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which it. is, I mean, you get a good sync and it makes a lot more money than selling a lot of records. Yeah, you know, it's like it's feels like sky money. You know, <laughs> just like what they want to for how much? Oh my god! Oh god! Okay. Yes. Yeah, and what do I sign? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. here comes all the assholes like they sold out. Yeah, exactly. It's like they're making money. They're good at business. They I saw you on that TV show. I know y'all rich. <laughs> y'all rich. No, I'm not. I promise. Yeah, right. I saw you on that show. <laughs> I saw you on the TV. Saw you on the evening news. But you know the deals are pretty straightforward. I think one of the unique things that we do is we kind of will provide near infinite product. Mm to the band and they don't have to like because i think most labels you have to most labels i think the artist has to sort of buy mm. product and it's usually you know i've heard different things from some labels i heard it's you know just above manufacturing some labels i've heard it's like the same wholesale that we buy for which to me is kind of like yeah it's my record like let me let me buy at a discounted rate guys <laughs> um but so what we do is we'll front the records so you know let's say a band needs 200 lps for the road 200 lps and then it just goes down as like an advance for whatever manufacturing is plus 10 percent mm. so like if records cost five bucks a piece goes down that we paid them 550 times okay. 200 so it's cool because no they don't have to, there's no cash out of pocket yeah they get a bunch of records it puts off their royalties, you know, it puts that off, but they also don't have to, like, they could sell those records for $30 a piece uh -huh. on the road, and right. they don't have to tell us. Like, right. it's, it's all it's all their money. Right. So it's cool because it kind of puts the control in their hand. Like, yeah. if they're a band that's hustling on the road hard, cool, like, you have this cool tool. And the shop is, <coughs> the shop is our version of that. Right. You know, like, you know, we, the shop buys things from wholesale from coal mine mm. and at an obviously discounted rate yep. because those sales wouldn't happen if the shop didn't exist mm. and so it's it's the same sort of thing like we have this cool outlet that we can hustle coal mine lps and also our, you get to write that off at the end of the year yeah you can <laughs> and it's like so it's you know but to for a band like orgone and durand mm -hmm. and surefire like groups that are that have lps with us that are touring i mean you make a lot of money. Yeah. Sell a bunch of $20 LPs. Fuck yeah. And that goes right in your pocket. You don't have to report to those dumbasses in Ohio. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Later, bros. But, I mean, well, that's cool. That's, I, I, as a musician, 
I can appreciate that. It's because, you know. Yeah, I think this is, it's pretty. We try to make it easy. You know, we yeah. try to make, you know, because we know there's a, the burden a lot of the time is, is finance. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we think we think we do it right. <laughs> I talk well, to some people and they're like, I talked to a couple groups and they're like, damn, how y'all make money? Well, that's what I was actually just going to ask. Like, so and that's how good did, to hear. How does. <laughs> So how does that translate for you guys? I mean, I'm not asking for specific numbers, but uh, I mean, like, I so I think so. Right now, um, I th- right now I think the the shop is definitely it's all under one business mm-hmm. entity. But the shop is definitely what's sort of paying our salaries. Yeah, and you know, paying our insurance and our rent and mm-hmm. our whatever. Or in order for us to live the luxurious lives that we live working like 80 hours a week. Um, <laughs> so the shop is definitely doing that. But we live so lean, like we don't, we go on, va- the only money we spend significantly, either one of us is vacation. Like yeah. that's, we'll take a few vacations a year and that's where we'll spend any money. Other than that, we're pretty frugal. Yeah. And therefore there is a lot of profit that is left over, but the label is a profit sucking machine because it's growing fast yeah it's growing so rapidly that we're just investing what's up bub speaking of intern matt (laughs) we're just uh investing so much in the label that you know if you look at the books you're like oh you guys are doing all right but we'd be doing a lot better if the label didn't exist because (laughs) it's it's growing so fast we know in the next we can feel it like we Mm. can feel it's gonna have this it's going to, one of these years, all of a sudden you're just going to be like, damn, yeah. like it's going to turn this corner. But a label is just, it's a long-term thing. You know, yeah. it's not, that's why I, when I talk to people and they're like, yeah, I'm going to start a label. It's like, damn, like, <laughs> okay, how much but money do you have? Because I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, I look at our numbers and I'm like, we've spent $180,000 pressing records in the last two years. Wow. And I'm like, that is a lot of money. Yeah. It's <laughs> scary. Yeah. And, um, for sure. And it's like, uh, and if we didn't have the shop, no way. Right. No way that happens because uh-huh. there's no way you could generate that much profit and mm-hmm. and churn it over like that. Is there any other places that are like kind of like terrariums like this, like that kind of do the same thing? Um, or is this so I, I know there's a lot of shops across the country that have labels. Mm. Like oh yeah, shake it like shake it has. That's shake it has I their don't own label. I asked that. I, well, I, re- but, I know that, but it is uh, unique. Yeah. Um, you know because how functional they are as a label is you know it, it they're usually a label because they can afford to press records they know how to do them and they have yeah. a medium to sell them right they're not maybe they're not are they marketing them the same way that a traditional label does or are they doing the digital distribution are they handling the publishing the sync licensing the facebook ads like are they doing all those things probably not like they're probably just like hey bro yeah i'll press 545s for you and then we'll sell them in the shop and yeah, you got a record out. Yes, yeah, and I think that's how most record shop labels operate. I think the few exceptions might be us. Um, Shake it does sell a lot of CDs, of their CDs and their LPs. Um, uh, Light in the attic, because Light in the attic has a shop now oh, out okay. in Seattle. I, I They're like a gnarly like reissue. <sighs> Are they the? <sighs> they did the Lee Moses record last year. Okay, I I. They're just the shit. Okay, they're, I'm gonna have to just so look into it. Fucking tight. They okay. do like killer jackets. What they call again? Lighthouse. Light in the attic. Light in the attic. Lighthouse. 
they're so they're so cool they just do like the most obscure reissues of shit that you need to have but didn't even know you needed to have (laughs) and you're like oh my god what is this collection of north american folk songs that's blowing my mind but uh they they have a shop now in seattle but they were a label first um but i this is very you know the unique thing about this is if Pladrum burned to the ground, the label would continue to exist. Right. I don't think that's the case for most record shop labels. God, yeah. Um, and the other amazing thing is that we have a studio. Yeah. So we cut things here. Like, it's it's all inclusive. Like right. We can cut shit here the next morning, listen to rough mixes while we're working, and, like, kind of gauge yeah. customers. Like, people like this shit? Yeah. People, people hate this shit? Yeah, if you see people blow. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, damn. That's, I mean, Delvon Noir, the liner notes for the upcoming organ trio we just signed in Seattle, the liner notes are essentially that story because we got the, L- we listened to the LP and we were like, man, we really like this. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it would do that. Like, we were trying to figure out if, if an LP was warranted, like, are people going to like this enough? Is, is this just feel like an organ trio and the more we listened to it, we were like man this shit is really we thought it was really good mm. and so we started playing it out front a lot and we got just you know tens of people being like what is this this is fucking good yeah and you're like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay sweet yeah, you're right you're right <laughs> yeah. you're right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, good. we're not we're not wrong okay cool <laughs> hey, hey, hey we want to sign you guys you know it's like right. that's not that that's the exclusive informant because it's not at all no, but no. it's always helpful because sometimes you start to feel like you know am i just putting this out because i like this shit right right is this viable type of thing so it's 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 unique uh, absolutely unique because i like i said the shop burned to the ground yeah coal mines coal mine would still exist yeah and and uh yeah it's cool and then they make each other better the label makes the shop better the shop makes the label better do you do in-store performances? We do, yeah. We just had the Buffalo Killers here on Friday. Their nice. local band had a new record coming out. Duran's been here twice, and oh. Monophonics have been here. And Who else has been here from the label? Black Market Brass is here, and they were recording. Wesley Bright was here when he was recording. Um, Fuck it. Tim, where you <laughs> ship your whole band across the country? Dude, I would love that. That would be so Me sweet. Too. They'd be like, wow, we just made negative $4,000 <laughs> on this trip. <laughs> Woo! Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had a good time. But we played, at, <laughs> at room, but we played in a tiny room to 40 people. It was <laughs> tight. No, it's it's cool. It, it And that's another thing. Like when Duran, when they came here and they just had that 45, there were like 20 people here and they were like, these guys are pretty good. Yeah. And that's, that is the cool thing about Loveland. It's kind of like, it's kind of not cool. Mm. And it was like not, not hip. It's just like, sort of normal dude normal people yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and so it's <laughs> it's like we don't get a bunch of, we don't get a bunch of pretentious fucks that come out to the shows we yeah. just get people like oh we heard there's live music tonight cool that sounds fun i'll yeah. go down to the record shop oh, they're like that. oh wow what is what, is, what, is, what a nice band <laughs> you know like yeah. like it's always it's always super quiet like they're super polite during yeah. like they just want to hear what th- and then they buy the records yeah. and it's like God, this is so cool. Like, that is cool, man. A band comes to town that none of these people have ever heard of. Yeah. They come out to the show and then they buy the record and now they know who they are. That's it's like yeah. damn, this is amazing. Yeah, at the at the very <laughs> base level of how you discover it music. It's like you know? and it's so genuine. It's yeah. so it's so organic. It, it is. <laughs> it's so wow. 
No, I, I agree. I, and I think that's a beautiful thing. I think what you guys are doing is so beautiful. I, it's like such a refreshing approach to a shit show that is the music industry. Yeah, man. <laughs> the music man yeah. and like Beyonce and Jay-Z. That, you know? Yeah, man. We, we're not jaded. Like we're that's I don't ever want to be jaded. I don't I don't yeah. ever want to be like a record store crotch, you know, be like <laughs> old man just hating the world. Or, yeah. I don't ever want to think that there's not a spot there for record labels and record stores and artists mm-hmm. to like carve out a niche and and make that their thing because <coughs> that attitude gets nobody anywhere. No. Like, no, and and um, I I wish I could remember his name. I've known him for fucking years since I've been record shopping. But in Toledo Culture Clash, uh, Pat, Pat, thank you, Pat. Yeah. Like. Like it was like two days before he died. I was in the fucking store buying stuff for my niece because she's fucking she she's it's awesome to see her fucking growing in music. But I was talking to him and we were just talking about Miles Davis and um, what's the one um, the one with the babies playing in the water water babies. Jeez, yeah. OP. <laughs> I was buying that album. We were just talking about it, and he was so cool about fucking in like that's how he's been even when he was. Um, the one before Culture Clash, I forgot what it's called. Jesus Christ, Boogie Records, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. Who cares? In any case, yeah, Pat was Pat's the man. Yeah, Pat was an amazing person who you could just walk into and just talk to him, and he would just be like so open and generous with his time, and and you know, as you are right now. I mean, and I'm sure you are with your customers. Um, I only got a couple more questions. They're quick, and yeah, man. I know you got business to run here. Hit so, me with him. Um, so. I ask this for, with all musicians that I have on. It's uh, what are a, what is a weakness that you've either currently or previously overcome in your playing. <laughs> so, like for me, um, my left hand on the piano is dog shit. So I work on that. So something in that vein, if that's even something that you do anymore, or if that's something that you've. I, don't um, know. I mean, obviously you're playing still. But. I think the biggest thing I've overcome is trying to get. Um, I I definitely used to like aspire to like Jaco Victor Wooten mm-hmm. when I was in high school and yeah, college yeah. and like I wanted to be this fucking badass this motherfucker this like, <laughs> <laughs> and you know I think the biggest thing that changed for me was once I started getting really into like especially the Daptone shit mm-hmm. like that and I was really into um, um, Modesky Martin Wood and I loved Chris Wood's bass playing. Yeah. I was just like, God, this guy's a beast right. of a musician, but he doesn't always play a million notes. So yeah. I think getting over the, f- you know, realizing that I could make records that I liked without having to be this like virtuoso type of, that sounds like a backhanded compliment to myself, <laughs> but it's not. A it's humble like, brag. Yeah, yeah, humble Yeah. <laughs> you know, the best thing about me is that I figured out that I don't have to be that good to be that good. <laughs> but, like, that was a big thing. <laughs> that I, I wanted to be such, like, I look back at how, like, dorky I got with gear and, like, with trying to, like, solos and shit. Mm-hmm. Just realizing that, like, hey, dude, you know what your role is? Fucking sit in the fucking pocket. Yeah, stay in the nobody, fucking nobody wants to hear your dumb bass solos, <laughs> bro. Yeah, like, that era is over. Nobody wants to hear that shit. You want? They want to hear like maybe one, yeah, maybe two notes, but it's like boom, 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 boom. boom. That's all anybody wants to hear. <laughs> maybe a slide every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like, like a good bass slide? 
yeah that just realizing that you don't i don't fucking matter when it like just just do your like sit in the pocket shut up and sit in the pocket and do your thing i i think that was like a huge realization for me i was the same (laughs) way i was like i want to be this great what and the problem was is that i play actively i play fucking guitar bass and keyboards out you know so like i never took the time to really pull those instruments apart and like really learn them properly self-taught of course so like i could do these things but i'll never be able to be like yeah, you know yeah, i'll never yeah. be herbie hancock and i'll never yeah. be um, no we're done we'll wrap it up oh, I mean, I'm not trying to... no, no 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 i was asking the last question and i was just well, expounding What are you talking about? I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> you look like you're about to. Is this a Russian company? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's try and save time. Okay. Terry, thank you so much for taking yeah, is your time. Yeah, is that all? You only had one? Yeah, I mean, I thought I had another one. I forgot the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I usually ask the same questions. Like, there's like three or four of the same questions, but. Yeah. It's okay. You give me so much, and like, <clears throat> dude, it, yeah, you let me talk. I'll just talk. But that's good because that's the worst part about doing these is when people are just sitting there saying yes, no, record, no records. Yeah, I like them. Money. Why? <laughs> why do you like them? Seventy. Because they were cool, and now I like them. <laughs> you know, like those are the hardest. Vinyl ones. sounds better. Everybody knows that. <laughs> everybody knows that, bro. Dude, everybody knows. <laughs> okay, Terry, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for and, having me. And um, you know, thank you for your generous time, especially when you're trying to run a business. And oh, no worries, man. But all right, well, I'll see you guys next time. Cool. Thanks, Mike. All right. Like I said. Lovely guy, Bob, Terry, awesome dudes. Uh, check out episode 67 if you want to hear about the Tim Felton experience, the Surefire Soul Ensemble. Um, Coal Mine Records is home to awesome, awesome, awesome artists such as It Could Be Shakedown, Duran Jones, Surefire Soul Ensemble. The list goes on. The Jive Turkeys. The uh, list goes on and on. So, Stop by Coal Mine Records, and that's C-O-L-E-M-I-N-E-R-E-C-O-R-D-S dot com, and pick up some vinyl, man. I I got I'm, I I got the Ickabee's new album, The Way Home. Uh, I got Duran Jones's album when I saw them playing with Surefire Soul Ensemble when I was still in San Diego. Um, and of course, I got both of Tim's albums. And oh my God, I got to hear. Um, some mixes of Tim's uh, from the new Surefire Soul Ensemble. And I also got to hear, what, well, actually playing in the background, if you listen real close, is the new Sharon Jones and the Daptones album that's unreleased right now that he gets, uh, he got a, a um, I don't know what they even call that. He just got a, an advanced copy because he'll probably be stocking that album at his store. And that's Plaid Room Records, and that's in Loveland, Ohio, near Cincinnati. So if you're ever down there, go say hi to Terry. It's just two dudes rocking out and just being 
some of the greatest uh, purveyors of music that you could ever ask for. So write the show, we speak English good at gmail.com or go to the website, we speak English good.net. It still does not do anything but host my um, SoundCloud player, and there's a couple pictures in there. But if you want to just go to the website, you can go to the website. It's there. There's some videos of some early shows that really sucked. And it's so funny how the first episode is still getting so many hits every week. People love Antar Martin. Anyways, take care of your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. Love you guys. Stay up on the get down.